Might as well be, right? <clears throat> well, today we're going to talk about moving the service outside. You ready? We're, we're going to go old school, man. You ready to go old school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen. Yeah, yeah my preference is uh, 69 degrees and uh, nice and calm, right? That's my preference. All right, that's what Jesus, he preached in a room with a microphone. No. Hey, uh, yeah, right. All right, hey, oh, it's good to have you guys on this rainy day, and Lord, we need the rain, right? So it's good, good, what a blessing. So we're in this series, we're getting close to wrapping it up. We got this week and next week as we're looking at Devoted Together. The goal was around the first of the year to go back and look at the New Testament church, kind of get a look at the purest version of the New Testament church, um, oftentimes as things begin to kind of grow and evolve, lots of things get stuck on it. And uh, in my opinion, that's kind of part of the reason why the New Testament church isn't as, uh, uh, I don't know, powerful as it was in the, in the book of Acts. Uh, we see lots of things being piled on and it becomes very muddy and murky. And as a result, we kind of lose our effectiveness and so if you have your uh, bulletins or programs, go ahead and pull them out and then you'll find an outline to follow along today as we look at today and we're going to talk about serve, all right? So, and you guys are excited about that, right? All right, good. So in Acts, at the very top of your outline, we started and we said this, in the, in the, in the story of the book of Acts, which is the history of the New Testament church, um, it didn't start out as an institution, it started out as a movement. The Spirit of God dwelt in the life of the believers. Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2, and he preaches a very simple message. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He died on the cross, he rose again, and we are witnesses to that. And, and then Jesus, prior to uh, him leaving this earth, he gives in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, he gives them marching orders, and it's going to be an expanding ministry or mission. He's going to tell them that you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they were at. Judea, that was the surrounding area. Samaria, that's where the other people lived that they didn't want to go to. And then the ends of the earth is where we are today. And, and you think about the movement to several thousand miles, a couple thousand years, and we're hearing Jesus preached and proclaimed all over the world. And then as we looked at the church in, in Acts chapter 2, we recognized that they had a very serious devotion. There was some core values that that New Testament church had, and that's what we were kind of working for for us. Would we, would we, each of us individually, look at our own lives and evaluate our own walk with the Lord and kind of up our game that we would fit in if we were able to time travel back and go into that very first century New Testament church? Would we fit in? Would our commitment, would our devotion fit into that group? And so in your outline there, we have the word devoted because they were devoted to several things which we've been talking about over the last several weeks. It says they devoted themselves. And that word devoted means to be earnest toward. It means to persevere. It means to be consistently diligent. It means to attend something even when you feel like not doing it, right? You know what that's like? <laughs> yes, right? And so they devoted themselves. And then last week, we looked at giving, and, and in verse 45, if you look in your outline there, in verse 45, they were selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to everyone who had need. And so not only was there this generous spirit, but they also had a, 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 an attitude of cooperation, right? They, they, were in it for, for, they were in it to serve each other. 
And just as I said last week, that, that when Jesus talked about money, he wasn't talking about money for money's sakes. He was talking about, he, he was using money as a tool to, to use them to drag them into and talk about their devotion. And just as we look at service today, and we talk about service, most of the time people say, I, I'd love to serve, I don't have time. Okay? When Jesus talks about, and we're going to look at it today, when he talks about service, it's not about time. It's about devotion. It's what it's about. Because what's preventing us from serving is our devotion. What prevents us from giving is our devotion. Is he really number one in our life? Okay? So, let's take a look. You guys ready? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Here's what Paul writes to the church. He says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Okay, now, so just kind of get this idea as we kind of march on. So I'm kind of laying it out step by step as we, as we work our way through this kind of argument about serving. Uh, and that's this. That if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and you've entered into that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and we use the word in church called saved, you are saved to serve. You are not saved to consume. You are saved to serve. Alright? So God saves you, He sets you apart, so that you will serve and use the gifts that He's given you to serve His kingdom. All right. Now you see in your outline there's an acronym there and it's SHAPE and it goes across. This is what Pastor Frank teaches in uh, one of his classes on, on, uh, min- on maturity. And so if you're interested in finding more about that, just pay attention when, that, when it rolls around. But the H is the spiritual gifts. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God has given you at least one gift. Okay? There is no believer who is giftless. Everyone brings a gift. Many of you have multiple gifts. H is your heart. That is your passion. All right? What are you passionate about? What is it that stirs in your heart, that excites you, that motivates you? A is your abilities. All right? That some of you are good with your hands, and some of you are good with your head, and some of you can count, and some of you can counsel well, and you have abilities that God has placed in your life. P is personality traits. Some of you love being around people. Some of you not so much, right? And you're just soon going back and kind of serve behind the scenes and that kind of thing. But God has given you different types of personalities. You have a unique personality, all right? And then E is your experiences. Your good experiences, your bad experiences, just the mundane experiences, your work uh, profession and so forth, all right? So that is what shapes you, okay? Now listen. Your shape determines your ministry. Okay? Your shape determines your ministry. But your attitude determines your maturity. Are we following? Tracking along? So how God has shaped you is going to determine your ministry. Now... The reason why I didn't put ministry up here and I put serve is because of this re- very reason. When we say ministry, most people in North America churches today think of the minister. 
And we hire a minister to do the ministry. And we, the congregation, tell him what he needs to do. The problem with that is that is backward. My job is to equip you to do it, right? Not your job to tell me. My job is to tell you, equip you, so that you do it. So in our mindset, <laughs> thank you, God bless you. <laughs> so in my mindset, in, in, my, in, in, in our mindset, we, ha- we have this idea. Well, well, when we talk about ministry, it's like, oh, no, no, that's for a pastor. No, it isn't for a pastor. A pastor is to equip the laity, the congregation, to do the work of the ministry, all right? The word, pay attention, the word service And the word ministry in the Greek is the same word. Okay? The word word servant and the word minister is the same word in the Greek. Okay? So track with me, okay? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a servant. Which is the same word for minister. So every one of you who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ... You are a minister. And every minister ought to be a servant. Are we going along? We got this going along okay? All right. And so we are to serve. Because that is what we are saved for. We enter into that personal relationship with Christ for. So that we would serve other people. All right. So we got that okay? Tracking all right? I didn't ask if you liked it. Okay, I'm asking if you're tracking, right? All right, look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Peter writes and he says this, Each one of you use whatever gift he has received to make money and create a safe environment for yourself. No? I got a different translation? Oh, okay. Each, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received, right? That's the shape, all right? To serve others. Now pay attention. What's the next word? Faithfully, ouch, right? Administering God's grace in various forms. Now that that phrase, various forms, means many colors, all right? And where it says God's grace, it's not talking about grace, salvation grace. It's a different word. It means this. It means joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, and charm. Okay, so track with me. So each of us, with the gifts that God has given us, we are to serve other people. How? Faithfully. With what kind of attitude? With joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, and charm. Are, we, are you with me? That's how we are to serve other people. And this is why, this is why when we talked about in Acts 2, where the outsiders would watch the New Testament believers in that very first Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and following, they would look at it where it says, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. The original language means they watched the deeds of the church and became believers. Okay? So it's the same idea here, that as we serve each other with with this attitude of joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, and charm, the world looks at us. 
And as a result, we are, we are inviting for them to be a part. Are we tracking okay? So here's the main idea. We serve God by serving other people. Okay? And we call that word ministry. Okay? So when people say to me, hey, I just want to serve God. Okay? You got to serve people. I don't want to serve people. People are problems. Okay? Can't serve God then. Because it's impossible to serve God without serving people. You can't do it. In fact, you can't even model Jesus' life without serving people. So it doesn't even work. Yeah, but people are problems. I know. And that's why Peter says that you are to administrate faithfully. Right? God's grace. The joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, and charm as you serve because you're not serving them. You're serving the Lord. Right? Are we, are we going okay? We're, we're doing all right? We doing okay? Come on, this is this one we got to make sure that we're all with. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Here's what Jesus said. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served. We okay? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And how would that look? To give His life as a ransom for many. When you look at the life of Christ, the ultimate picture of servanthood was that he laid his life down for us. He didn't come as a king for someone to serve. He came as a servant to serve us. And the model in which we are to follow is Christ. Right? I mean, that's the, that's the model in which we are to follow. And so it's impossible, it's impossible to serve God without serving others because Jesus says, listen, I've come to serve, not to be served. And as we serve, we serve with that, with that joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, and charm as we serve His kingdom and His people and ultimately the, the, the troubled people as well, right? It's not always fun to serve uh, people, because sometimes people have problems. You agree with that? They're difficult. They got attitudes, right? Even in the church. Isn't that true? It's pretty quiet. So, lessons from Jesus. Here we go. Number one, Jesus stated that one of the reasons for his existence was to serve. Now just kind of internalize that for half a second here. Jesus says that one of the reasons for him coming was to serve. Now as as we say that we are followers of Christ, we are to emulate him, he's our model. So if he comes to serve, we've got to serve. Right? We need to serve in the same way in which he did. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come uh, to be served, but to serve. Right? And so we, we've got that multiple times in the Gospels where Jesus claims, Listen, I didn't come for people to serve me. Now, th- this, was, this was different because he was the King of kings and Lord of lords, he was God in the flesh, he was going to establish a new kingdom. He was going to bring Israel back. 
He was going to be the political leader. And people were going to bow down and they were going to worship him and they, and they were going to be, he was going to be like the king, right? And you got to bow to the king. And so for him to come out and say, no, 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 you got it, you got it wrong. I've come to be a servant. They're like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. That, that's not what we were thinking. What we were thinking you were going to be like at the top of the food chain. And of course he is as God in the flesh. But he came to model for us what it was to be a servant. And so he models that for us. And it was kind of a radical change in the mindset of the, of, of the folks. Number two in your outline. Jesus stated that um, significance and meaning in life are connected to serving. And again, this is, this is a value that the world has kind of backward. We think that if we're going to have significance, purpose, meaning, and value in this world, you know how we gauge that? It's not how many people we're serving, it's how many people serve us. Right? If we're at the top of the food chain, then then we, we have purpose, we have meaning, we have value. That's what the world says. But Jesus says the exact opposite. He says that's not how you do it. And for so many people, think about it. I mean, so many people, that they, they work their whole life to try to achieve and have in hopes to find some type of fulfillment and purpose. And at the end of the day, they got the middle of the donut. Nothing. And inside of them, they're still longing for purpose and meaning in their life. Because the world says, well, you just go out and, you know, you achieve, you buy, you have, you acquire, you're the CEO, you're the big dog, you're the whatever. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, great, you're it. And yet we recognize in our heart that it doesn't fill us up. Mark chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, we'll stay there for a few minutes. Famous verse, verse uh, 33 and following. So when they came to Capernaum, they were in a house, and he asked them, what are you arguing about? And we're going to address this here in a second, so just hold on. Verse 34. But they kept quiet because on their way they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. All right? They had this conversation that was taking place. Verse 35. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve. So here's the core group of believers. All right? He called the twelve and he said this. He said, if anyone wants to be first. Okay, translation. If you want purpose, if you want meaning, if you want value in your life. If you want to in your life sit on a park bench and recognize that you have contributed, you have invested, you have really succeeded in life. If that's what you're really desiring in your life, if you want to be first, here's the answer. you got to be last. Oh, no, no, I don't want to be last. I want to be first. Well, not only do you need to be last, but you need to be the servant of, what's the word? All. No, I, I just want to be the servant of my wife. No, you got to be the servant of all. Well, how about my kids? Can we just do that? No, how, how about my grandkids? I mean, after all, it's great to be a grandparent, right? I mean, that's good. How about that? No, you got to be the servant of all. And he connects, and this is what's so, you know, you think about 2,000 years later, it's still kind of everyone's going, whoa. He connects greatness with servanthood. See, we don't think that. 
We think how many people are serving us. And that's how we evaluate greatness. And Jesus has it just the opposite. He says if you want purpose, if you want meaning, if you want significance in your life, it's connected to servanthood. Not how many servants you have. Follow means in the same way with. We've looked at that many times over the last several weeks. It means in the same way with. So for followers of Christ, we're in the same way with. We have the same attitude, the same values, the same mindset, the same purpose as Jesus has. In John chapter 12, verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me. Okay, now track this. So again, he connects following Christ and serving. And serving and following Christ. You cannot follow Christ without serving. And you cannot serve without following Christ. They are connected. They're not two separate issues. And he goes on and he says, he says this. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servants will be also. Now pay attention to this. My father will, what will he do? He will honor. He will give you purpose. He will give you value. He will make you significant in the eyes of the kingdom. Not necessarily the world. And he will honor the one who serves me. So we sit here today and we go, man, I want to be honored by God. Serve. No, no, I I mean, I don't want to do that. I just want to be honored by God. You can't. You can't follow without serving. And if you want to be honored by God and have value and purpose and meaning in life, you got to serve. It's not a separate issue. Yeah, but I just want, you can't. And you're trying and spiritually you feel like you're missing. There's something missing in you. And you think, well, you know, if Dan could just turn up the volume in his preaching and if he could just become a better communicator, then, you know, and if this, then I could go to that. And, you know, listen, if you want your spiritual life to elevate, serve. Serve. If you want God to stretch you, serve. Because he will stretch you as as you begin to surrender and commit your ways to him. All right? So, you want to stop or you want to keep going? So if Jesus models it, he clearly instructs it to us. So then the question is, what stops us from serving? Why is it? Now in church life, just like in many other lives, there's an 80-20 principle. You ever, you ever hear the 80-20 principle? How many of you have heard of the 80-20 principle? So what that means is 80% of the people do 20% of the work? Yes. 80% of the people do 20% of the work and 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Okay? We got that? Not 80% of the people do 80% of the work. That's what we're gunning for. 20% of the people do 80% of the work, 80% of the people do 20% of the work. Whether the church is small or a mega church, it's the same. That is the same in the area of serving and giving. Okay? It's the same across the board. 
So what stops us? Mark chapter 10, uh, 9, verse 30. Look what he says here. Then they left the place, and passing through Galilee, Jesus did not want any, anyone to know where they were. Verse 31 tells us why. Because he wanted to teach his disciples. And here was what he wanted to teach his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed in the hands of men, and they will kill him. Okay, so there's the lesson. And he goes on and he says, And after three days, he will rise. Okay, so this is the core group of believers. This isn't the, this isn't the, the, the kind of the fringe group. This isn't the seekers. This is just the core group of people. He specifically got them away from everybody else and all the confusion and all the chaos, and he wanted to teach them the lesson of the crucifixion and the resurrection. Okay? Verse 32. And they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Okay? So here they are. They're, they're walking around on this path, and Jesus says to them, hey, the Son of Man is going to be killed, and after three days, he's going to be uh, risen from the dead. And that word fear, it, it means to be deeply grieved okay, or troubled. It's like when someone tells you something, and you just kind of get like hit with it, and you don't know how to respond. You, you don't know what to say. You're just kind of stuck there, and you're like, Ugh, what do I say? Do I say I'm sorry? Do I say congratulations? Do I say can I pray for you? you you're just not really sure, and so you're kind of frozen. Okay? And so as, as he's talking to them about his death and resurrection, they just kind of freeze up. They're troubled by it. They're grieved by it. There's a sense of they're not sure what to say. But here's the interesting thing is, in the midst of him telling about the crucifixion and the resurrection, they don't want to ask him that question, but it is completely within their personality to argue about who's going to be the greatest. Okay? Now, now, Now just kind of think about this. Put yourself in it. Someone has just told you some horrific thing that was going to happen to them. And you turn to your friend and you say, so do I get to sit on the stage or do you get to sit on the stage? That's it. And you sit there and you go, that's crazy. You, you, you mean Jesus saying, yeah, they're going to kill me? I'm going to be put in a tomb? I'm going to be resurrected? Now just tell me, am I going to be on his right side or are you going to be on his right side? Because after all, I have my own plans, my own agenda, my own ideas, and I'm thinking that if he's gone, then maybe I can become the new leader and I'll be in charge. Now it's interesting, I think, when you read that, you just kind of go, that it's, a, it's an amazing mindset in which they have. But here's the deal. We have the same mindset. We have the main, see, remember remember I told you, serving isn't about time, it's about devotion, right? If you internalize the idea that Jesus died for your sins and rescued you, he doesn't owe you anything, but you owe him everything, right? And if you could internalize that, and then when someone says, hey, were you willing? Oh, no, I'm, I'm really busy. Oh, really? What are you doing? Well, you see, when I go home, I want to watch Maury Povich because I'm going to figure out who that guy's dad is. 
right? And we're busy. Well, what else are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, whatever, and you're going to build your own kingdom. In essence, what you're saying is, I want to be great. I'm going to be the greatest. And I'm going to do my thing. Number one in your outline, one of the reasons why we don't serve like Christ is because we're selfish. We're incredibly selfish. Now, I know it doesn't feel good and it doesn't fit well, but it's, it's the truth. In verse 35, or, or I'll go on, verse 33, when he came to Capernaum, he went into the house and he asked them, what were you guys arguing about on the road? So Jesus knew there was a conflict. He knew that they were deathly silent when he said about the death and resurrection. But there was murmuring going on in the back. And so he asked them, well, what was it that you guys were complaining about and griping about? They kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was going to be the greatest. Because they were totally focused on themselves and their agenda, their plans, their bucket list. Verse 35, Jesus sitting down with them, he called the twelve. And he said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He says, you've got to get over yourself. Because it really isn't about you. It's about my kingdom. Number two, what prevents us from serving like Jesus is because we're unavailable. We're unavailable. And we're unavailable... Because we're selfish. We're selfish. We have our own plans. We have our own to-do list. We have our own ideas. We sit down and we said, I'm going to do and I'm going to have and I'm going to do and I'm going to have. And we've created our own little to-do list. And whenever God brings us into an opportunity to serve someone, we don't have time. You want to know why? Because we're busy. We got something to do. And God drops opportunities right underneath our nose. And we just keep on going. Remember what Jesus said? The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. It was, it was the same there as it is today in our life. Humanity hasn't changed, have we? We're the same. We're, sin, we're still sinners. Right? We think we're smarter. We're no smarter. Look with me in Matthew. 20 verse 30. Two blind men were sitting on the roadside and when they heard Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, uh, son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 31, the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. Uh, But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 32. And Jesus stepped right around them and said, I'm busy. No? He, he said, I have a bucket list. He stopped. <clears throat> I'm working on a series during the, after Easter. Last night I was going through. <clears throat> that I cannot find one miracle in which Jesus did where he wasn't on his way to do something else. It's pretty amazing. He was going somewhere And between where he was at and where he was going, he performed a miracle. There was an interruption, a pause in his life for him to perform the miracle. 
At not one place did he say, hey, let's go down to the corner. We're going to set up a tent. We're going to have a healing service. He, di- he didn't. He didn't do that. He never told his disciples, hey, guys, come on. We're going to go heal people or we're going to go you know, cast out demons. He never said that. It was always on a way to something else. And in the midst, he would stop, he would perform the miracle, and he would keep going. And so he stopped, and he asked them, what do you want me to do for you? Which is obviously kind of a crazy question to ask. See, what what happens is, if we're able to get away from ourselves, and we're able to be available to God, God will take opportunities for you to serve other people. And he'll place them right underneath your nose. And if you're willing to just pause your life for a moment and be used of him, there is no greater thrill in life than to be used by God. There's none. There's none. And I remember back when I was just a brand new believer, I worked for Alhambra Water, so I went from delivering drinking water to delivering living water. Huh? Is that pretty cool? It's true. And I remember one day I was in Oakland, and that was where my routes were at, and I, I was delivering water, and I knocked on a lady's door. So we had the same, we delivered to the, the same house every two weeks. So you, every two weeks we, we delivered. And I knocked on a lady's door. She let me in. I carried in the water, delivered it, kind of, you know, had a quick, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. You know, everything okay? I'll see you back in two weeks. And, and as I, I left, I got in my truck, routed in my uh, the delivery, got in, started up, looked at the route deck, knew what the next stop was, drove to the next stop, and there was just something in me that was like, something ain't right. And so I delivered the next stop, delivered the next stop, and that nag just kept on nagging me. Drove all the way around the block, came back, knocked on her door, and I said, you know, I apologize for knocking, but I just sensed something wasn't right. Are you doing okay? And she invited me in, and she started busting out crying. Her son, who was in his 40s, who was a fire chief in, in, San, uh, in Oakland, had throat cancer. And because of the throat cancer, they had to remove his voice box, and they had to put a, the whole thing to, to breathe through. And she was absolutely devastated. And we, I prayed with her. I was a brand new I didn't know what to pray. I, I hardly knew how to pray. And all I knew was, Lord, this lady needs some help. And I prayed for her. And I left. And you know what's interesting? You know, I've been in the ministry from a pastor for 20, going on 24 years. And that is still one of the highlights of my Christian walk. Because it was early in my life, and I was sensitive to the Spirit just nagging me, and saying, Dan, something isn't right. you got to go back. And God, God is going to give us opportunities, and he's going to place them right underneath you. And if you're not alert, and you're not willing to put away your agenda and your plan, you're going to miss it. And you may be the CEO, and you may make a million bucks, and you may drive a whatever and have a helicopter, and God bless you. But none of that counts compared to being used by almighty god and to know that god has taken you in your brokenness in your flaws and all your mistakes 
And he has supernaturally put you in touch of another person who needs to experience his grace is amazing. It is amazing. And if you want your boat to float, if you want to get a little joy in your step in your Christian walk, that is it by serving others. And, and I think oftentimes we, we just we miss that. We just miss that because we're selfish, we're into ourselves. John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says this, if you love me, you love Jesus, you love Jesus, you will obey what I've commanded. And being a servant isn't an option. It's not an option. It's something that we are to do. Now, I want to just kind of think about this, and we're going to get ready to go here. What would Sunday morning service look like if, when you came in in the morning, there was no coffee, no donuts, nothing over there in the corner? What, 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 what would it feel like if there was no one to greet you at the door, no one to hand you a bulletin, no one, if you're new, to kind of give you direction of where to go? If you walked into the preschool area, behind the counter's empty, and it said, fin for yourself. You walk back into Dan's group in the children's area in Turbo. Nothing, crickets, that's it. You went into the student ministry where the youth are. Empty, right? Well, what if you said, well, where's the bulletins? No one was here to stuff them, sorry. Oh. And then you got here and you're like, where's the bulletins? They're gone. No tech people. No one to, to pick up the bulletins after the service is over. N- n- none of that. No one to clean the toys in the preschool area on Monday. What would it feel like? What would it feel like? See, there's all these hidden heroes. And every one that I described to you, with the exception of the pastors, are all volunteers. Even Miss Jenny in preschool who drives from Sacramento to come here. Servants, heroes, who make it possible for us and for our kids to grow and to experience God's grace and God's love. What if if there wasn't any? What if there wasn't any? How would it feel? See, there are a lot of folks who are willing to get over themselves. And there's a lot of people who are willing to wake up on a Sunday and say, I don't want to be there, but I've made a commitment. And I'm going to be there. I know I've got a lot of things to do. There's a lot of things to do. But I'm going to go, and I'm going to make myself available. And my prayer is that we would turn the 80-20 principle to where we would have 80% of the people serving and 20% resting for them to get back into the game. That's the goal. And you say, well, is there that much need? <laughs> if you had 10 minutes with me, I will point more needs than we have time. There are, there are hurting people and ministries all over the place that doesn't get done because no one's willing to do them. Well, Dan, that's your job. No, it's your job. You're a minister. I'm a pastor. 
We're all ministers. And so here's what I want you to do. Not out of guilt. I don't want to twist your arm. I'd like to, but I, don't, I won't. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll take a deep breath and count to 12. Then twist your arm off. Inside your bulletin is or program is a blue card. Okay, and the top it has the devoted together. And on the front of that are just a list of areas of service. Now, most of these are Sunday morning. Okay, and the reason why is because most of the things that we do are Sunday morning. All right, and so on the back of it, it gives a little job description. There are a few of them that you have to be members. Most of them you don't have to be. All right, and so it gives you a little bit of a job description on it. And here's the cool thing about us. We will help you and train you. And if you end up not liking it, you're not signed up to it till Jesus comes back. So if you try something and you're like, no, thank you, please. That's fine. But try it and see if it's okay. Okay? Now, if you don't do this now, you can do it uh, later, bring it back next week. You can also do this online, too. If you go to our website and you look under ministries, you get the get plugged in um, area and you can do that. All right? Now, there's three areas that are always a huge area of, of, of uh, I guess, need of folks in being involved the preschool, Miss Jenny the children's ministry, Pastor Dan, and the student ministry, okay? Those three. The student ministry, we've added a second Bible study during, so now we have Bible study for students, which are youth for us older people. Uh, Student ministry at the 9.15 hour and the 11 o'clock hour. And they just added a Tuesday night, so now we split up junior high and senior high. And so in the youth ministry, we've experienced a great, a great growth. And so we've had to add more opportunities, okay? And children in the back, same thing. Uh, Dan in the Wednesday night and Dan on Sunday mornings are always in need of, of, of folks who are willing to help out, all right? So what we've done today and we're going to do for the next couple of weeks is they're going to be on, at a table because it's one of the areas where it's like, I don't know what to do. So there's a table by the women's restroom if you're interested in preschool children or youth they're going to be there to answer any questions or give you a little pamphlet, all right? So we don't want you leaving here thinking like, I don't know what to do. Go and talk with one of them and give you, uh, help you out, all right? And so make sure that you do this and do get involved because I think as God blesses us and we grow, we need to make sure that we're ministering to folks and making a difference for his kingdom. Amen? Thanks for letting me ramble. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your mercy, Lord. And Lord, thank you that we, we don't have... We don't have to, but we have the privilege of serving in your kingdom. I can't think of anything more powerful and more, um, more exciting and more of a blessing in our life than to be used by all the Almighty God. Father, we want you to use us. Lord, give us the courage. Help us to step out of the, the area of fear in our life that prevent us from moving forward out of our selfishness, out of the, just our own agenda that we have. Lord, help us to step out of that and be used by you. And Lord, we want you to do great things in and through our life. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And all God's people said, Amen.